There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Yeah, one hour down, two to go. Plenty more still to come between now and nine o'clock. As I say, we keep you bang up to date with the goals as they go in across Europe. It is the live show where goals go in. You're the first to hear about them. Plenty besides that to discuss. We'll update you on what's going on day three of the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. We've got an awful lot of cricket to discuss as well. And Tom Ucker will be with us shortly to help us do just that because Ben Stokes has been hitting the headlines. England, though, firmly in control of that fourth and final test down in South Africa. There's day six of the Australian Open to discuss as well. And an awful lot in between because, well, sport never sleeps. We know that. And it is the weekend, which means there's an awful lot lot to get through. Before we do any of that though, let's just give you a quick update. Early kickoff earlier today in the Emirates FA Cup was Brentford against Leicester and if you're a Leicester fan you'll be happy this evening. Yeah, you absolutely will. A little bit of a stop to that rot that the Foxes have been experiencing. They led early through Kalecci and Acho, his ninth goal in nine FA Cup starts. He is very much a cup man, I think from his years back to Manchester City starting those games. But he scored early, a smart bit of centre forward play, pulling away to the far post and tapping home from a few yards out. It could Good use of movement, I think, through the centre-backs off. Bright early start for Leicester. And from that point on, they looked pretty convincing for the first half, we think. They looked uh, they looked interested, looked keen. Mark Albright and went close a couple of times. They were playing uh, certainly not a scratch side, but they did make a few changes. Wes Morgan, Christian Fuchs, as you touched upon, Chris, players for don't necessarily get near Brendan's starting eleven, But in the second half, it was a very different matter. Brentford came out fighting in front of their vociferous home crowd, using some of that momentum that has taken them up to third in the championship. They knocked on the door for the best part of 45 minutes. They did hit the post once. They did require a good, good save right in about the 86th, 87th minute. Dan and Ward it was plucking out from underneath his crossbar. But as it was, it was Leicester that held on. They win 1-0 and they progressed to what must be the quarter final? No, fifth, fifth round. Fifth round, fifth round yes. Round. Fifth round. We've got to get that right. Yes, we've got our first goal from our 7pm kickoffs. It's come at the Medeski Stadium. It is Reading against Cardiff City. All championship affair down there. Of course, Mark Bowen, formerly the assistant of Mark Hughes, the Welshman. He's done a great job since taking charge at Reading. He's steady the ship there. Neil Harris, it is, who's now in charge of Cardiff. Former Millwall boss who's replaced Neil Warwick. Struggled a little to get Cardiff playing the kind of football that their owners demand. I can tell you, though, that it is Reading nil, Cardiff 1. And the scorer, first goal of the 7pm kickoffs. Scottish Callum <laughs> Patterson formerly of Hearts and Midlothian it is he that has got the opening goal of the 7pm kickoffs an assist from Adam Flint the big summer signing uh, from Middlesbrough spent a lot of money did Cardiff on Flint it is he though Callum Patterson who has scored that first goal that is Reading nil. Cardiff City won couple of the games that stand out for me Matthew I guess there's only one place to start it is the game the featured match down here at Barasti on the big screen it is Southampton rejuvenated Southampton against Tottenham Starting 11s, you've got the team news. Let's look into this because both managers have, obviously, they've, they've mixed and matched. They've looked to some of their fringe players, but both strong teams nonetheless. Well, you say that, Chris. I'm going to start with the away team, Spurs, who we know have not been particularly impressive since Jose Mourinho took over. I know I was ridiculed by you last week for suggesting that Jose Mourinho, or not suggesting, for revealing that Mourinho has only ever been an, uh, unveiled as a manager on the last day of May or the first two days of June. But what he's done here at Spurs is going halfway through a season and it just hasn't quite clicked for them. Oh. And I think, unsurprisingly, he's gone all out for this one because he knows he needs a wind. He knows he needs fans on his side. So I'll take you through the team. Hugo Lloris, that's the big news. He's back in goal after best part Started of... Started midweek. Oh, did he really? He caught me out, so he did, because I had Gazaniga in my fantasy football oh, team. I was no. buzzing and then I went, oh... Hugo Lloris is back, so ah, second successive I, start for the Frenchman. I do apologise. He's been out for a long time. After what was a wretched, yeah, was wretched industry, oh. uh, injury at Brighton, the beginning of October, so it was. He's back in goal then, his second start, I do apologise. But then the back four is Serge Aurier, Toby Alderweireld, Davison Sanchez and Jaffet Tanganga is also starting again at fullback. Midfield two of Harry Winks and Gedson Fernandez. Was that his first start, start I yeah, think, for Spurs? Is. And then you've got Giovanni Lo Celso, the summer signing. Deli Alley in at 10 and then Hyung Son Min 
on the left with Lucas Moura leading the line, obviously in the continued absence of Harry Kane. That is a strong son side. It is, it is a strong side, and I can tell you that Hyung Min's son should have actually put Spurs ahead moments ago, and Jose Mourinho is talking to his coaching staff. Good chance this. It's a long ball, and they have been accused, Spurs, of reverting and resorting <laughs> to long balls. Interesting, uh, some rumours out of the club that a lot of the players weren't happy with Jose well. Mourinho's training methods. Hugo Lloris, in fairness to him, has come out to say it's a load of old nonsense. Yeah, I think... Uh, Listen, any, anybody that is party to how relationships between <laughs> journalists and players work knows full well that one particular player was yeah. responsible for that league, right. quite clearly. One player that has fallen out with Jose Mourinho that's not anywhere near Danny Rose. the match day squad. Danny Rose. Lo and behold, two days after Don't it know, emerges, maybe Danny Rose. <laughs> they've fallen out. All of a sudden, it's, uh, it's that everybody doesn't like Jose yeah. Mourinho. I can tell you, what a game at the Medeski. Nine minutes gone, Reading have equalised. It is Reading 1, Cardiff City 1. It was Callum Patterson who gave Cardiff the lead. I can tell you that Yakumieti has made things one apiece. We're joined by the man that has been, well, he's been in transit for the past hour. Roads are an absolute nightmare, but I can expect that because huge crowds down no. at the Sevens. No, it's Tom Muckert's back with us. And Tom, what? you take over hosting duties, please. No, I'm not hacker. at all. No, I'm, uh, yeah, because you've just been doing it all day long, haven't you? <laughs> In fact, you've been doing it for the last four days. No, you've been doing a sterling job. You'd think, though, that after 19 years of going to the Rugby (laughs) Sevens, that you would have worked out that Brasti's a little bit further away from the XLs than you expect. (laughs) I'll be there in in 10 minutes. Uh, No, no, you're you're good 45 minutes. You forget that. And I do it every year, because always a bit of a tradition. Final night of the Rugby Sevens. Always come down here uh, with the HSBC ambassadors and things like that. And I always make that point going... What you know? We've just travelled an hour <laughs> just to get up just to, just 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 to sort of see off, see off you know yeah the the, the 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 four days that we're that's been going on. But uh, no extraordinary event uh, down. Yeah, there. I want to talk on it, and and you will because of course you've been there the last couple of days. It's an event that I'll be honest, it kind of flies under the radar a little bit, and I'm not sure if that's on purpose because the focus is on the kids. We had Jim Dickinson, the tournament director, on off script extra time this past week. How many kids are down there? So over three thousand players over the two days. Two hundred. 19 teams um, across all uh, age groups from under six all the way through to under 19s um, huge logistics challenge to play over seven pitches down there at the seven stadium um, uh, and great standard of rugby uh, and great to see so many and uh, I heard your chat with Jim and I've just been speaking to him and a number of the other organizers obviously it's an event that is co-hosted by both Dubai Exiles and Dubai Hurricanes uh, bitter enemies on the pitch but great stalwarts for club rugby here in the region uh, so they co-host down at the Sevens so there's loads of different working parts you've got the Sevens Stadium you've got the two close uh, host clubs you've got the UAE Rugby Federation good to see uh, uh, um, Case Adlai uh, down there today doing the, the presentations HSBC who've just signed another three year deal with the event here um, a real focus and a real sort of bonus uh, or, or or show of approval yeah. from them to go another three years uh, with the festival itself and then bring uh, the likes of uh, uh, um, uh, Brian with a Y out to uh, entertain, uh, to sign this, that and everything uh, and give his thoughts uh, uh, on proceedings. Um, it, it, is a, it is an eye-opener for me in more ways than one. And the other thing that I think that was very different this, this year was the fact that we had a number of invitational sides who come in from different corners of, of the globe. You know, we had a team from Kazakhstan uh, who uh, played in the under-15 girls division. There was a team from Kiev uh, in. There was a couple of teams in, up from South Africa. So uh, well-travelled. Uh, and it, The message is getting across and certainly um, a number of uh, results are being seen. Now, we, we talked about it, Tom, and again, you've been here a long time. You'll know better than I do. But when it, when it comes to youth sport, and I don't want to... I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone out there that's doing their bit, whether it be netball, and, and we've spoken to a number of stakeholders across all the sports, but rugby is the sport. If you actually look at it from a grassroots perspective, mm. there's an awful lot of other sports that are, are kind of aspiring to do what the rugby guys are doing. Well, I think, I think you're right, and I think you look at the numbers, uh, and the numbers don't tell no lies. Uh, you look at the support that they get from, you know, just, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very valid point that you made. I, one thing that I really noticed this year was the number of sponsors, you know, not just of the event itself, they come together with great sponsors there, but you look at all the individual teams, teams you know, and you look at the law firms that have gone behind them, you look at the big construction firms that have gone behind them, and you know where that comes from. It comes from mum and dad being yeah. involved. 
dad's the CEO or he's, or he's a senior manager, so he's throwing his support there. But when you've got that, you know, we've been talking, I've been listening to you boys on the, on the drive-in um, and talking about the importance of sponsorship. And when you've got that, from grassroots level all the way up to under-19s. I stayed last night to watch the Premier League games because obviously they had, uh, they had the first day of the tournament. Then after that, you had Dubai Exiles against uh, Abu Dhabi Quinns. You had Bahrain against... Uh, uh, against uh, who were Bahrain playing uh, yesterday? Tigers. The Bahrain were playing Tigers. I, 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 I remember it in, in a while. Um, Canes playing against the Hurricanes. Um, and, it, 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 you know, the, the fact that a number of the kids that were playing in the under-19 division today were representing the first teams in the Premiership yesterday. It shows that progression. Uh, 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 Exiles against Harlequins last weekend. It would have been great. Uh, it would have been ideal if they'd been able to have that game yeah. here today. The two great uh, bitter enemies, the, the oldest uh, serving clubs here. Uh, last week, they had over a 1,000 fans turn out for that. Wow. They had over a 1,000 fans down at the Exiles to watch Exiles against Quins. It goes out live on Facebook. Uh, uh, the, the, the Matt and the team down there do an amazing job putting out all the all, all the a action live on Save Facebook with commentary and bits and pieces like that. So they are really moving in the right direction. Yes, a thousand. There's some football clubs at the professional yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that, you know, I mean that with the greatest of respects. But they would do well to get a thousand. Just on that, in actual fact, standard of the youth. Good. Is is it? Yeah, yeah. Would it, it stack up against? Again, I always go back to the UK, South Africa. Is it of that? Is there one or two that I've got? Because we've seen players actually go over to the yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, and it, it, we had uh, obviously Apollo Perellini was down there throughout the course of the two days. His skills academy and the work he's been doing with. Uh, youngsters and also the, the, the national team is obviously paying dividends at the moment. Mike Phillips, who set up an academy here, was he was there yesterday as well. Brian Abana in town today with HSBC. Top. All of these guys, but not just them. Um, you know, our, our, our mate uh, uh, Purse, Purse Code, uh, with, the, with, the, with the Tigers and the work that they're doing there at the moment. Um, uh, Apollo Perellini's just brought in uh, the former Sevens top try scorer for South Africa is one of his coaches as well, Furry Dupree, who's come in uh, not Dupree, um, Furry oh, Polly's going to kill me now because we were talking about him just a few, a few Sorry. minutes ago Sorry, Paul. Uh, but we will get that Paul's name yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll text in and put me right that's for, uh, for sure, uh, so you see that sort of talent coming in, noticing it Bahrain, I watched them last night, smash canes in the Premier League, sat alongside Mike Phillips watching it and he said yeah because they've got this reciprocal arra arrangement with the Valleys back in Wales where players come out to Bahrain, players that are just on the fringes of club contracts, to play for a season in Bahrain to sort of blood themselves. Uh, standards that good? Yeah. Yeah, so you see the, 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 the standards are absolutely flying at the moment. Um, but back to your point, yeah, the numbers. The numbers game is, is what's there. If you've got over 3,000 uh, kids, boys and girls, all different age groups coming in and competing at that level, not just for a big festival like this, but week in, week out at all the different clubs, the fact that UA Rugby Federation have got this into the school curriculum across the whole of the UAE. And just on a side note to that one, obviously a very sad note. Yeah. Um, and that was recognised down at uh, the festival today by all those in uh, UA Rugby. A sad loss last night. Uh, a lot of people waking up to the shocking news this morning of the tragic and untimely death of 17-year-old Emirati uh, Majid Al-Ziondi, um, who in fact was one of the players that uh, Apollo had been working with very, very closely in recent years. Lovely lad, uh, always had a smile on his face, uh, died in a horrible uh, car crash in Russell Kamer last night. And he was remembered today. Yeah, remembered in the under-19. You know, should he, be, he, should be, he would have been down there at the festival. Uh, he was remembered uh, before the final of the under-19s uh, and during the prize-giving a little later on as well. Um, but really sort of bringing it, that, that, yeah. that back to, back to roots. To root. The only thing, Will, and I don't want to be too negative with this, and I know I was in a, listening on with interest to you about the uh, uh, Teglebu story yeah. and, and, the, and the, the citizenship. And again, that's something that I know rugby decision makers have been campaigning for here and again it's still a bit of a grey area have we got that citizenship how long do you need now to play for the UAE etc at the balance of how where you have your Emirati players etc the only sort of thing that I would say is the opportunities are still elsewhere yeah so if you get to a certain standard you're um, going to look out outside, right? You're looking back in South Africa. Yeah. You're looking over in, in, in New Zealand. You're looking back in the UK. You're looking in France as well at the moment. You're looking for those opportunities to further your game. And until we get to that point where you can sort of further your own game here, and I think, you know, again, and I don't want to come across as the, 
miserable old negative one here, but we, the football one as well. We need to be careful with the football one. I know we're waiting for clarification on how this is all going to play out. But if it starts, again, taking nothing away from Sebastian Teglebu and what he's done Dying, so yeah. far, but is a 34-year-old the answer to qualification in the, in, for in the for short term he might be yeah. to getting getting to a world cup getting to to 2022 and obviously they've looked at some other nations that i shall not name close by who have, have taken advantage not taken advantage per se but just actually played to the rules and clearly and again we're waiting for a statement from the uefa on this the citizenship doesn't necessarily mean that they'll play football for yeah. the national team but it certainly looks that way they're clearly saying well listen in the short term we are still a young nation we're a nation that is under 50 years of age. We're looking at it and saying, well, one or two who have given an awful lot for this country, and again, it comes back to my point, I'm surmising a little bit here, but they've obviously done their due diligence. They've looked at the impact they've had, the impact they've had around them and with local Emirati players, and they've said, okay, let's do this with them. Short term, Tagliabue 34, yeah. Kayo Canedo 29, and they've said in the short term, they will help us achieve our aims. And then long term, let's see what by doing this with these two players, what impact that will have. And with their, whatever it is, due diligence, research, they've clearly shown, right, that will be positive moving forward. And, and you're right to say, I know there are other sports, cricket, rugby, I take the point in terms of Arabian Gulf League from a footballing standpoint an awful lot of players have come here who have left here and gone on to kick on Ryan Babel Ricardo Karejma Manuel Lenzini Al Jazeera who's yeah. kicked on and now a West Ham player rugby there isn't still that infrastructure that perhaps there is in football you've been, still got to look out there there's been the grey area about you know yeah. who, can, who can play for the national team you know Carlos van Rosenfeld an, uh, a, a, a national, an international cap player for the Arabian Gulf as it was then yeah, and I've obviously that, yeah. uh, the Arabian Gulf breaking up into, to, into different countries obviously UAE now recognised but the focus and quite rightly so, still on Emirati players. And that's the challenge that the likes of Apollo Perilene and the UA Rugby Federation are trying to push through at the moment. If you start to get the citizenship in, then you start to get these issues of... And again, you know, the five-year citizenship thing, it, it, five years is a long time in sport. It is. And especially if you're trying to make your, your name in sport, be it football, be it rugby, any other sport. You know, if you are looking at that five years to get a foothold to play for a nation, by the time you've done your five years... You're 25 in some cases. Well, Tagli Abu's 34. You've missed that opportunity to go and try elsewhere. Yeah. What might be, and this is taking nothing away from the infrastructures in place here, but traditionally more stronger rugby, football, other sport background. But yeah. It, but it might not, might this not just be, um, and again, I, there's no, educate, uh, no education behind the actual decision, but this is a, an almost a, t it could be a token gesture to then provide a platform or an inspirational path for people that are in a situation further back down their development as a sportsman. For example, we touched on the, the example that I mentioned earlier about, about somebody who grew up here with parents from different countries educated somewhere else. There's no problem, absolutely not. And you, and you mentioned it there, uh, Tom, about going elsewhere to further your game. I don't think there's any problem with that. Going to an American university to improve yourself as a sportsman. But if you are now aware that you have a pathway yeah. back in the UAE where you have been born, raised and educated, by all means, go to the American university system because you're right, probably the foundations here are still not perfect, certainly not in rugby, as, as, as you mentioned. Go and get that improved education, but know that if you don't get propped into the MLS, or even if you do, when the, when the international call comes knocking, you're like, I'm representing the United Arab Emirates yeah. because that's where I was born, that's where I was raised, and that's where I've earned my citizenship. And I think that's what, and again, that's what this could be for a 34-year-old, yeah. it is providing that inspirational pathway for someone who thinks, look, I'm quite good, I'm not good enough to play for England. I'm not good enough to play for South Africa in rugby. But you know what? I feel I feel I'm, I'm born here. I'm raised here. I'm good enough to to take the UAE forward, and that is now my pathway. But if you are at that position, okay, let's just try and uh, let's let's give it a little context. So if you are an 18-year-old rugby player yeah. with mm. British parents, yeah. yeah, and you are, you know, you've got potential. You've got great potential. What are you going to do? You're going to throw your you, 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 you throw your sort of eggs into the basket here, which is fundamentally an amateur game, yeah. or are you going to give it a go in a, in a in a country with a more established professional code where you could make a living out of it? At the moment here, you can't yeah, make a living oh, out of it. Without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to go and do that, whether it be France, England or South Africa. But, but then that's the gamble, isn't it? Because if you do get, if you get noticed, and then you, you get your, your under-18 yeah. cap, or then you get your under-21 yeah. cap, 
uh, you, yeah. you, you've blown your chances of coming here. So if you've got to make a decision, because that was the one stipulation we've been told so far from the, from the football point of view, as long as you don't have... Yeah, you haven't represented You haven't represented another country. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's a difference, I think. Yeah. The point that I'm making is that not necessarily you, you, you flourish. We're talking about, or I am talking about, kids born and raised here, youngsters born and raised here. We had uh, a month or so back the two young lads, the, the Pakistani kids yeah. who are playing UAE cricket. Again, that pathway for them would be so, you know born here raised here i feel part of UAE. i may go and get that opportunity to to further myself professionally both earning money and playing in a, a youth academy back in in more established nations but as chris said we're a young country here but what you're looking for is all you need is one because all you need is one to go into the european leagues and be developed and become and become professionals there and then when they realise that listen there has to be a degree of realism and I'm talking from a position having never had to make the decision because I was never any good at anything in that sense but the realism of look I'm not going to knock on the door of of Gareth Southgate's England team but what I will do is have an anchorage here and have an opportunity now because while previously I might not have had the opportunity to have citizenship I now see that there is a pathway for me. What you're talking about I think is the second stage of all this and again 4001 join this conversation I think this country as I say it is still a young country the first step is to acknowledge that if you are born here if you live and work here for five years and you're good enough you have an opportunity to represent a country that you call home I think the point that you're making is almost stage two of this you create a culture you get players across all different sports that are good enough and if we get to a point that they're good enough that other nations want you to come over and play whether it be the Super League in South Africa whether it be the championship in England that you go over, you improve your standard, and I like to think that the mm. connection is so that you're maybe not good enough to represent Kenya, South Africa, US, whatever your parents mm. are from, but because you were born in the UE and you, yeah. st- and you feel part of the United Arab, uh, Arab Emirates, that you have a, a level where you can come back and represent, because that is still the, the next big step for me from a UE football but, perspective. Tom, we talk Omar Abdurrahman, Ali Makut, they're all UE-based. Yeah. Yeah. The first step is to say to Omar Abdurrahman, Go and play, and I'm throwing this team, I don't know where it's come from, Freiburg in Germany. Go and represent a club in Germany. Go and represent a club in the Netherlands, Portugal, Scotland, England, wherever. That's going to be, we're going to see these players moving out into other countries and, and performing, because if they do that, their standard will improve, because let's call a spade a spade. The Arabian Gulf League, we've commentated on it this year. This year. It's a good standard. It's not Germany. It's not Portugal. It's not the Netherlands. But is there, is, is, is not one of those problems, and again, I think we're probably going off, off topic a little yeah, bit are. here, but... Uh, is is not one of those problems that it is uh, also comparatively a very well paid league. Well, that's it. That that is partly it, and, and I think. And therefore, if you are one of those players, yeah. are you going? Why would you? Why do I want to yeah. go and challenge for a 100%. place at Freiburg second? Yeah, yeah. but ju- but just to tie a bow on this particular 100%. point, the two guys that have been granted this citizenship, and we touched on it right down at the beginning. These are two guys that haven't come to this league just to collect a paycheck. They are guys that have come here and pushed things on, and have been here for five, six years, and and developed the clubs that they've been playing for. I'm sure, yeah, they're earning good coin compared <laughs> yeah. with what they might have done back home. But that wasn't necessarily a sole reason for either being here in the first place or continuing yeah, to stay yeah. here they have dived into the culture Sebastian, that's around I, I, those clubs I can't speak for Kyle but certainly in the interview that John McCauley done and, and if you watch the video with Sebastian it's genuine there is a warmth for that he, he spent seven yeah. years here he's got two kids his wife they're settled a, in Abu Dhabi a gorgeous quote about the, the feeling within the family yeah. when he, he had that passport absolutely he's been at Al-Wakda he is someone who has bought into the culture and is someone who is I think representative of a new UAE. It's mm. multicultural, a lot of nationalities here. I mean, Tom, your kids, all, all of them born here? All born here. So, I mean, yeah, you could take the, the you know, Gus obviously loves his rugby. Um, uh, he also loves his football as well. Yeah. And, and as per regulation changes last 27, year. A couple of years back, couple the decree. Years he can so play. If so he's he good play. enough, he can play. The other interesting one as well is mates of ours back in the UK uh, who... Uh, have been back in the UK for what ten years now or something like that. But his second son was was uh, was born here. Um, he's a very tidy footballer. He's just been picked up by England schools. Uh, he won the uh, How old? He's uh, same age as Gus, thirteen. Uh, is that a goal or not? Or the referees we'll just double, double checking this? It? Yeah, we'll double check. There might not offside. No. So he he uh, yeah. So he's uh, he won the Surrey League with his with his school. Uh, he's just been picked up by England schoolboys. Um, thirteen years old. Born in Dubai. Right. Born in Dubai. Uh, Al-Wassel Football Club contacted him and said, 
listen, if there's any, if you know, if, 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 if you're looking for a job and bits and pieces, then feel free to come back out. Doors always open because he qualifies. That's brilliant. That is music. I didn't know that story. Music to my ears because that's the, and, and I think, uh, and his name escapes from the technical director of the UEFA, Jan. Jan, Jan, if you're listening, I'll get your surname in a second. But that's what needs to happen. There needs to be a system in place where this country knows all the players that are born yeah. here who are talented, who can then follow their progress because he was born here, that young kid, 13, Gus's mate. He's then over there doing wonderful things. That's music to my ears that I'll so, wassail and, and it, away of him. And and because, of obviously, his dad worked here and had good contacts Brilliant. and things like that, and so the, 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 the board of directors at Awassel uh, are in touch with him, saying, look, well, if ever, ever things go pear-shaped there, there's always a place for you Brilliant. here, come back over, and we'd love to get him on the books, because they could get him on the books... Listen, Ali Salah is one, again, if you follow your local football, you will be aware of him. I know a lot of UK publications have picked up on him because he's got quite a unique story. He's got an Emirati father. He's got a Scottish mother. (laughs) And Ali Salah is someone who, and I know a number of Scottish clubs who, through various agents, have taken a little look at Ali. Hugely talented, just 19 years of age. But that, again, we need one to make the move over, Tom, and be a success. But the fact that there are now, and that is genuinely, and I'm a passionate sports fan, passionate football fan, the fact that Al-Wassel are now tracking players, no matter their nationality, but just born in the UAE, is blooming great news. It shows that infrastructures have been put in place, structures have been put in place now to monitor those players, and it gives just me great great heart on it's that. It's funny that you should say that, because I, um, I got a text message from Ross Christ yesterday. Usually, I'll just uh, go, yeah, great oh, story, this. no, and I'll try and avoid it, because <laughs> it's obviously him trying to drag me out to... <laughs> The back end of beyond or something, about five past five in the morning or something stupid. Uh, But yeah, a nice little one. So he texted me yesterday. If you are listening, Roscoe, thank you very much indeed for this. I'll claim it as my own. Thanks. Um, uh, It says a player in the uh, AFL league here. Yes, Emirates. Yeah, Emirates. Not the AFL league. AFL, yeah. Uh, American Football League. It's got a pro tryout um, in the CFL, which is Canadian Football League. Canadian Football League. Uh, would be an awesome story, as he said, uh, if he does get signed. Even if, even even if he doesn't, doesn't the, the fact that scouts yeah. have spotted him. Uh, I, I, listen, all of this but should be music sorry, to everyone's ears. That on its own, that scouts have spotted him, yeah. just shows the steps that this country has made on the sporting map in a lot in the short few years. To even for even people to be aware of the fact that it's a hotbed of sporting talent, I think is so so. But positive. more than that, let's not get let's not over egg this one it's not as if CFL have scouts here let's just say that but what it does show is that influential people coaches people who know their sports are coming into this country for work for coaching who have connections back to these leagues they can spot a talent and they through their connections have said listen there's a kicker here you need to maybe watch him or get a trial bring him over because we think I think he's got the potential and that is great. That is what we need. And, and the, the one, fact you're mentioning Apollo Pedalini, Mike Phillips, all of these people from a rugby perspective is great news. And I think the other one that we, we, we sort of skirted over and possibly the most lucrative of them all is the cricket one. Uh, reason yeah. being, how many players uh, have, have, have slipped through the sort of systems back in Pakistan, in India, in Bangladesh, in Afghanistan, etc. How many players uh, have ended up here as second generation uh, families or whatever who have that potential? And how many players... Well. You know, if, again, if you probably if you gave them the opportunity to play for India or Pakistan or whatever, given the kudos and given the the fact it would have been more professional, they yeah. would do. But with the way cricket's going at the moment, the franchise cricket um, network that's been built up around the world, if if you are an international player for the Arabian Gulf or for the UAE. You are in a shop window, yeah. and we're already starting to see a couple of UAE players being picked up by franchises uh, in the region and further afield. It's a win-win for you because no you, 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 you are basically using it as a means to make uh, yeah. a comfortable life. There's no doubt about that, Tom. And, and that's it. I mean, listen, lest we forget and remind ourselves that what is there? About a million Emiratis. So 8.2 million, I think 8 million, let's say made up of different nationalities in this country. It is the United Arab Emirates. So once we embrace that, and we're starting to in all the different sports, the UE are going to flourish on this. It may take 10, 15, 20 years, but across a number of sports, given the infrastructure that's been put in place, HSBCs of this world, your Jim Dickinson's from a rugby pers- 
perspective, your Dale Gordons, your Chris Browns from a football perspective, across all the different sports, all the way through to netball, all of these little platforms that are being put in place now will ensure that in 15, 20 years, it'll be a melting pot of nationalities, but the UE will be front and centre of sport. And I, for one, am excited, and I know you boys are as well. Right, stay with us. I know we're a little late with this one, but still plenty more to come. It's only 7.30. We've got another hour and a half to go. Stay tuned. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Game on. OK, let's share these responsibilities uh, with Mr Chris McCarty and Matt Fortune alongside us as well. Uh, what have we got for you? Well, let's get to the football. Why? Because there are some interesting stories. Well, it depends who you support. <laughs> if you're a West Ham fan, there's not such an interesting story. Problems. No, we've got some bad news for you, Tom. I actually heard your heart sink as you looked over to my shoulder and looked at that goal update. Unfortunately, at the London Stadium, West Ham are trailing once again, this time to Championship outfit West Bromwich Albion. The goal has not come from Charlie Austin, as many might have assumed. Charlie Austin banging in the goals for the Baggies this season. It's actually come from the unlikely source of left-back, Connor Townsend. Check it out on Twitter if you can. Find that video, a very, very sweetly struck left-foot strike from the edge of the box, the top corner of the box, sailed through a mass of bodies and into the top corner an absolute glorious goal 1-0 to the baggies no goals Southampton against Tottenham Newcastle against Oxford Portsmouth against Barnsley Millwall against Sheffield United Coventry against Birmingham and Burnley against Norwich they're all nil-nil at the moment a couple of goals though uh, at Reading Reading are playing Cardiff 31 minutes on the clock it's one apiece down there yeah it is indeed yeah Callum Patterson put the visitors ahead Cardiff City after about five minutes and Yaku Miete equalised just three minutes later and I still find it funny that Charlie Adams still plays I completely forgot they even existed. Liverpool's Charlie Adam, of course. He's bagging the assist on that one. I'm trying to dig out a video here because on my live score update, it says goal, Yakumieti, eight minutes, nine minutes, yellow card. So I think he might have done something <laughs> that he shouldn't have done. I just want to touch on one of the games that you did say there were no goals, uh, Tom. It is the feature game down here at Barasti Southampton. They're still nil-nil with Tottenham, but not for want of trying from both sides. A couple of minutes ago, Japsip Tanganga, the little herd of Spurs fullback who came into the side about three or four weeks ago has just produced an unbelievable goal line clearance Hugo Lloris was caught in no man's land Danny Ings hooked the ball over his shoulder and it was sailing towards the back of the net and Tanganga at full stretch headed the ball over the crossbar that was the first thing to mention but earlier on maybe about 10 minutes before that um, Giovanni Lo Celso was convinced he'd scored we all stopped you would have heard it on air but looking at the replay what happened after a lovely little passage of play that involved a gorgeous gorgeous back heel from Deli Alley under a great deal of pressure Lo Celso shaped a beautiful shot into the bottom corner only to find Young Son Min getting up from a crumpled heap on the floor <laughs> and the ball brushed past oh. his heel he had no idea what had happened the merest of deflections but unfortunately the South Korean was offside so that one was chalked off no goals in the champ Championship uh, half an hour there Stoke against Swansea been a few up in Scotland though not in the Celtic game that is well Celtic have just scored Tom I can oh, tell you yeah they've just taken the lead have Celtic of course Rangers have that game in hand there is still a two point gap Celtic looking to ramp up pressure Rangers not in action until tomorrow so they can't extend their lead to five points Rangers would have two games in hand Celtic at home to Ross County today and I can tell you that a Callum McGregor penalty has opened the scoring in that one Neil Lennon has shuffled the pack somewhat after that impressive 3-1 victory at Rugby Park against Kilmarnock in midweek. I can tell you it's Hamilton 1, Livingston 2. I've got no idea if there are Hamilton or Livingston fans listening to this broadcast and it just makes me chuckle whenever I give Scottish score lines. <laughs> but it is Hamilton 1, Livingston 2. I can tell you that Sean Want had given Hamilton the lead. Again, this is niche. Craig Sibold, a player that I know a couple of clubs looked at, certainly down south for a spell. Former Falkirk man levelled things up and Lyndon Dykes, who's had a good season, has Lyndon Dykes, the big number 9, scored the winner. So he did against Celtic earlier this season he's made it 2-1 it's Motherwell nil, Hibs nil. I can tell you it's St Johnston 1 Kilmarnock 1 in that one uh, we will ask Chris to have a quick look at the Bundesliga for us in a few moments time in the meantime uh, Mr Matt's looking at uh, all things Spanish one result to bring you from a little earlier and points were shared between Espanyol and Athletic Bilbao one apiece in that one uh, the Barcelona game is underway about half an hour in isn't it, it is we're 40 minutes in Tom and it's still goalless between Va- uh, Valencia and Barcelona I'm a little bit concerned about the Barcelona direction at the moment they lost in midweek did they not it hasn't looked smooth sailing for name escapes me uh, the, the new the boss, new manager. Uh, Quentin Sebien, uh, I think Sebien. <laughs> They're still top, of course, but they would have had uh, a game more, but that's with this Sekien. point 
that they're taking today. It's just not working out there for them. The only thing of note to happen in that game is that Gerald Piquet has picked up a yellow card after just 10 minutes. That was happening in the Bundesliga. <sighs> only one place to start on this one, Tom. I can tell you that the league leaders are a goal behind in their match against Eintracht Frankfurt. RB Leipzig, who have been a breath of fresh air. I tell you what, Julian Nagelsmann, he's done wonders at that football club since taking charge. They are away at Eintracht Frankfurt, a side that did well last season. Uh, so they did the last couple of years, in actual fact, uh, under formerly Niko Kovac, now Adil Hatter and I can tell you that they lead by a goal to nil. It was the former Monaco fullback Almani Touri who has given Frankfurt the lead and I can tell you that 60, 51 minutes on the clock there they lead by a goal to nil. Union Berlin they lead Augsburg by a goal to nil. Borussia Mönchengladbach under Marco Rose who did so well with Red Bull Salzburg a man that I know a number of English clubs took a little look at. Celtic as well were interested in making him their new manager. He went to Borussia Mönchengladbach. They are one apiece with Mainz. I can tell you it's Freiburg nil. SC Paderborn one, Wolfsburg nil, Hertha Berlin nil. The late kickoff in the Bundesliga this evening. It is FC Hollywood, Bayern Munich against Schalke. <laughs> What's happening? What? I was like, I haven't heard of them. FC Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that's their nickname. Make no mistake about that. What's happening in the Italian Serie A? Uh, we've got one game underway, three games scheduled for today. What's the latest? Indeed, we do. We have Spal there trailing, second bottom Spal there trailing to mid table Bologna by three goals to one. We're looking at about 10 minutes left in that. One other result from the game week in Italy was last night Milan winning 1 0 at Brescia, struggling Milan, just about hoping to find their feet. Now they move up to sixth place with that win yesterday over Brescia. Uh, let's get over to the world of uh, rugby for you now. Uh, why? Because uh, all sorts of games being played in the Gallagher English Premiership. They're all underway at present. Uh, Bath playing Leicester. It's 5-3 to Bath at the moment. Uh, Jamie Roberts leading Bath uh, midweek to go down uh, to start a new career down in South Africa. Uh, he really? Yeah, he's gone to play for the Stormers down in South Africa. So he's going to take on a new challenge. How old is Jamie now? 33. My age. Sheepers have failed in life. He does love a challenge. Just, uh, does, does, yeah, he went, does to Ca- he went to Cambridge Uni, didn't he? Went to Cambridge, played in the uh, in, in the varsity match down there uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, uh, obviously, he's got his his his, his, his um. Uh, he's done know. with Wales. He's he's no longer. He's not retired officially. Interesting. Um, but good on him. He's not retired officially, but if you look at a number of the players that are in in that position yeah. at the moment, world class players. Uh, but he does like a challenge, you know. When he went over to to, to, to France and, and and obviously to forward his game, the, the move down to Bath was an interesting one as well. Uh, and now taking on that new new challenge to go down to continue his career down in South Africa. Uh, so his team Bath are in action as we mentioned. Uh, in fact, there's a couple of uh, Welsh boys in town. Lloyd Williams is in town at the moment. He was down at the golf uh, on Thursday along with Mr. Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips was down there. Yeah, a few little rascal sporting faces. Dwight York was down there. Jim Miljilton and I'm. I'm pretty sure this is so niche, this, what I'm about to say. But coming out of the restroom a few moments ago, I'm pretty sure I bumped into Paul McVeigh, former Norwich City striker as well. Trevor Steving is in the building. My best mate is down there <laughs> as well. Is the former Rangers and Marseille and England winger. Lest we forget. Here, right? Yeah, they're down there watching the big screen. They're enamoured by all things Southampton against Spurs. Well, I want to give a Dale, message. If Dale's listening, then he can tell us whether Paul McVeigh's in town, can't he? He is definitely in town. Oh, right, OK. He's been chumming with Jim Majolton, the Ipswich Town, former Ipswich Town, Northern Ireland International. The two Northern Irish boys are here, and I'm pretty sure, and I was thinking... Do I stop and say, Paul, we're on radio upstairs, you fancy joining us, but it'd just be weird bumping into a bloke in a restroom and asking that, but I'm pretty sure those boys are dotted around. I want to give a massive shout out, and this is one for you, Tom, to Alison. Alison and family are listening in because uh, thanks to the team for discussing the HSBC tournament, we're just driving back, listening uh, from the Sevens, that is, after watching our son's team, the Tigers, win the Under-13s Cup. Great tournament, so a massive shout out to the Tigers. That was the one that uh, my boy was playing in. They got absolutely thumped by the Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) So well Tigers. They are the uh, they are the team to beat, that's for sure. And well done for uh, Tigers are doing amazing things uh, at the moment. And are they really? Yeah, they really are, and they they are pushing on uh, at the moment, setting standards in a number of the different age groups. So, and a lot of that's got to go down to Persico, I tell you, because uh, Aaron's been on this show a lot, hasn't he? Yeah, and you know what? He's he's really committed to to, to all things Tigers, and he's really helping to push push uh, push the to push the boundaries down there with with with. The culture. 52 of the team. caps for Italy as yeah. well. I know he's a Safa uh, and he, he won't mind me pointing that out, but 52 caps for Italy. I mean, he's, he's top, yeah. right? He was a 10, yeah, yeah. half. I mean, Jesus, 52 caps. 
for a national team tells you that he knows what he's talking about. And if you are uh, travelling back from the sevens, do uh, send us your thoughts. Yeah, you can text please. us on 4001 HSBC. Uh, Rugby Festival 2020 here in Dubai has come to a conclusion. Was it a success for you? We'd love to hear from you. Sorry, Tom, to, to take it back to football, I just have one thing to apologise for. Uh, the Gerard Piquet yellow card that I mentioned earlier in the Barcelona game actually led to a penalty that was Oof. saved. Oh by Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, Valencia's Maxi Gomez. And I'm just looking at the picture that is coming through on my timeline. It looks like a pretty regulation stop for the German goalkeeper. But scrolling up, he's also been responsible for what has been described here as an astonishing double save on half an hour. So it does look like that Barcelona are under the pump somewhat. Bath lead Leicester by five points to three. Bristol against Gloucester. It's the West Country derby. There's always a West Country derby these days, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> Bristol uh, have the bragging rights at half time in that one. Quite close though, 15-9 in that one. Extra against Sale, uh, 5-8 to Sale, whoever, uh, to, to, who are down south uh, against Exeter. And Worcester taking on Wasps. Uh, it's 6-5 in that one. One result to bring you from the Guinness Pro 14 a little earlier on. Thriller as well. The Cheetahs of South Africa uh, taking on the Southern Kings of South Africa. It's the Cheetahs uh, at the Kings. And the Cheetahs won that one by a solitary point. 30-31 and a real nail-biter in the Guinness Pro 14 which I still can't get my head around two South African teams playing in the Guinness Pro 14. But there we go. Uh, top 14 action for you. Uh, four games to look forward to throughout the course of the evening. Brieve against Poe. Uh, Castra against Racing 92. La Rochelle taking on Montpellier. Uh, Claire are up against Stade Francais later on this evening. The one that's underway at present. Lyon against Toulon. And it's Lyon leading that one by 17 points to 12. Uh, we've uh, heard from Toby Gregory uh, midweek uh, and a number of other rugby fans about the Saracen story Oof, I tried to get my head around this one last night uh, so they've overspent 1.3 million quid yeah. is what they've done and uh, Mr Ray has has essentially just set up companies and, and paid the player now listen rules are rules I get all of that but I, it's interesting with all of this they've handed out this there will be certain relegation and Owen Farrell this past week has refused to kind of he's skirted the subject he's a top level player he isn't playing championship rugby let's make no mistake about that but what I can't help uh, notice Tom that's kind of gone a little bit unnoticed is at the same time of handing out this punishment to Saracens just a little side note we will launch an independent review of our current salary kind of cap because yes I know they've broken the rules but in order to keep your best players with the current way that it works these players are being enticed by French clubs French clubs want to pay them the money so I mean on one hand yes you want your best talent staying in England but equally rugby's a brutal sport if Owen Farrell's one of the best number 10s in world rugby then he needs to be paid accordingly no? It's it's just going to be a mess for that reason how do you retain all of the ta- exactly the talent talent in yeah. the championship? Not just from their own point of view, but how do you how do you justify it? How do, how, how do you keep hold of? Does Owen Farrell still play for England despite the fact that he's playing in the championship against? He'll leave, will he not? How can think? he if he's got like a long? Because because all of them will be looking at it going, look, it's one year of pain and then a whole season again. And if they if you know. One of the reasons we have this is whenever you talk to a Saracens player, they talk about the culture at the club and the amazing things that the club does in terms of looking after you, looking after your kids, the crashes in the place, etc. Wives are always invited to games, etc. That it, the culture that they've set up down there is second to none. So, are you going to turn your back on that because you've been relegated to Championship? I just don't know how they manage their roster of players in the Championship. How they keep them on the books. I guess the good news, I mean, again, a lot of these players are aspirational and they would look at their international fold. I guess the good news, and again, I'm looking at the positives in all of this, it's not a World Cup year. So if the Atojas and the Farrells of this world lose a year, it is, it, I'm playing at a substandard level. I know the Championship's very competitive. England, the, the tier system, there's a lot of good rugby players over there. At least it's, they're not losing out too much right but as you say how do they keep them how do they restructure the contracts to ensure that they're not breaking any more rules and that Saracens as an ongoing concern keep their best players and, and get back up to the Premiership a year it's later not a, it's not a World Cup year but I think one thing we noticed last year and especially with the management of someone like Eddie Jones is that these are four year plans that get yeah. played in place and yeah. if you are that this would be the second of that four year plan you know if we take this as the first season yeah. post World, World Cup, Cup so yeah. this would be the second and you want to be from a management point of view, you, you, you want, want to have an idea, place. don't yeah, you, fair. of who, who, who you're putting out, and you can't. Which is which is going to make it even even bizarre. I mean, do you still play your England players if they are playing in the championship? He will, 
Yeah, because just because Owen Farrell's playing in the Championship, he's still the best number 10. I don't, I don't agree with that. Chris. Maru, got, you, no, no, you no, tell no, me I'm, you drop Maru Etoj because he's in the Championship. No chance. He's leaning on the table. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> um, no, my feeling, yeah. my feeling, no, my feeling is that there's a there's a discrepancy in the challenges that he's being put up against, and therefore, when you then throw someone into high high level mm. competition such as internationals, they're, they're inevitably he's at a lower level, even if it's mentally, physically, because he hasn't been worked as hard. I just think it's. I think it's tricky. Listen, I, I don't profess to know the masses, ins and outs of, of Owen Farrell's particular game and what it would have an impact for, but I just think if you're putting somebody up against week-in, week-out lesser opposition, yeah. you look at it in, in Champions League games, you look at it when players, um, the Russian teams, for example, when they spend so long without a proper game and then you throw them into a Champions League tie against PSG. a team from... It, perfect example, exactly that example. They get to the, the business end of the Champions League season and they're so undercooked, a bit, undercooked yeah. and ill-prepared for going up against big, big teams yeah. for 90 minutes. And I, and I think that's the problem that you have to consider. Do you what what will thoughts? happen, Tom? What, what, I mean, what did the, the, the power, you know, the, the guys who are a, a lot more au fait with the subject than us, your Toby Gregory's of this world, a, a fine rugby journalist, someone who's worked in, in rugby for a number of years. What is the feeling? I really don't know because... Look, you've you've been wrapped, you've been caught, so you've got to sort out your wage bill. So how do you do that if you in the championship? I mean, are you going to let? Is there going to be this brain? Is is there going to be this talent drain? Do you let? Do you let? So the one suggestion that I was chatting to a number of people down at the clubhouse um, last night watching this the rugby here, and a lot was the suggestion that maybe you let some of your talent go to France for one season. Mm. On like a loan, a loan system. On a loan system or with, 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 with the idea of coming back. a chance. But then at the same time, that, that would negate them playing for England because the current rules at the moment was that you've got to be playing in England to play for England. But it maintains that standard. And like you say, it's not a World Cup year, of course. I, just, I think there's ways around it. I think the, the only the, the parallel that I can think of in football is Juventus 2006, Serie right? Serie B. And there was, right, a, there was Exactly. And there was a degree. There was obviously expectation, expectancy that a number of their big players would leave. I know Zlatan left, uh, Vieira left, uh, Zambrotta left, but a number of them did stay. Buffon, Del Piero. Stayed. Del Piero, Niedved, Cameronese, David Trezeguet, they all stayed. It is only one year. And yet, I, listen, again, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate for the sake of debate here, but it's the idea that you incentivise staying yeah. a little bit. I think it's, it's not like Rangers that were plummeted, what, three divisions All the way to in the Scotland. That, that's, uh, that's untenable for, for anybody that's got genuine hopes of, of achieving something professionally at international level. But for the England players at Saracens, international players, I think there's... It's not their fault, is it? It's tricky. I'm sort of convincing yeah, myself it, it, out it's of the argument. You let, them so go, you let them go on loan and you, you focus more on academy. And actually, you could come back as a stronger club. You yeah, really could. You've unearthed yeah. the talent. Because yeah. you've gone down, you've, you've, you've blooded a lot of your academy players, they've sort of got you back up into the... It's, Prob- it's problem almost with that, like though, a free hit, is it not? Well, I mean, there's, there's loads of schools of thought in all of this. Of course, England players have been remunerated well by what was going on, so they'll feel that they own the, owe the club one. Equally, they're thinking of England aspirations. Saracens will be loath to loan players to the Exeter Chiefs or anyone up, yeah. in the, uh, up in the top division because, well, they're rivals and they don't want that happening. And then equally, loan them to France and then they scupper yeah. their England. I, I mean, it's a mess. <laughs> Saracens, the people, that made the, the people that made the decision that got them in this mess are the people that make that very same decision that can oh. they do have a degree of a degree of care for the players so while they may not like it yeah. I mean listen you, you're talking pipe dreams here and, and sport just doesn't have those but the idea is that actually a principal person would say do you know what hold your hands up we've 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 dropped the ball here we're going to give you that opportunity to go free because I know it's a pipe dream what, what, but what I find fascinating about it as well if we look at it and they've you know, you look, I mean, Saracens are not going to finish bottom of the of, of the Premiership. But they're, they're down regardless, right? They're down regardless, but they're, they're a minus seven now. They were minus thirty-two a couple of weeks ago, so that gives you an idea of the strength and depth they got there. They're going to finish. If they don't finish top, they're going to finish mid-table or so or thereabouts. They could go on and win the European Cup as well. Let's not forget that. <laughs> so if they win the uh, 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 European Cup, if they, which they have done on several occasions yeah. in the past, recently. Um, and then come down to the championship. Does that mean they still play in the European Cup? Can you still play in the European Cup as as, as a championship uh, team? Uh, do you have to be in the Premier League of, 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 of rugby in your nature? I don't think you do because it's a no. cup competition. And as defending champions, you're automatically back in. Is that how it works? Similar to the you'd Champions League. You'd be back League. to defend your title, yeah, title. wouldn't you? So if that's the case, Tom, 
that's where they'll stay. So the if that's th- the case, if you go deep, then you can hold on to your players by saying, look, academy play in the week in, week out, you boys are focusing on the cup. But, but this is what it comes down to. Your own Farrells and Marrow will have to take pay cuts in order to stay because they've got to fall in line with the rules that are set in place. So you're saying to Owen, listen, Owen, you know what we've been up to. You've got to take half two-thirds of a pay cut in order to stay with this organisation moving forward. You know I mean, your point as well about the free hit and the, yeah. the, 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 the other thing on that is, is that the whole the whole competition the Gallagher Premiership this year, this season is a free hit for everyone else now because relegation has been sorted. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have the fear of relegation looming over you. You know who's going down. So you can basically start planning ahead for next season yeah. now because you know that you are going to stay up. Yeah, okay, there are certain remunerations that you get and finishing where, depending on where you finish. But that, that is, is taken, it's taken the equation, the, the relegation equation out of the season halfway through it. Which is... That's poor. From, yeah, from a competitive yeah. standpoint. It's, it's, it is, it's a horrible story. It's why it's making and garnering so many headlines, this. Tell me this, Tom, from what you've, uh, from what you've heard on the situation, again... Your Owen Farrells, your Marrows of this world, are they holding their hands up to say, oh, totally innocent, we weren't aware that it worked like this, or were they acutely aware of what was going on? They must have known. They must have. There must be... Listen, people don't discuss salaries, sure, but you're aware of what, especially in a tight-knit network such as sport, you know what Player X is getting from a sponsorship deal. You almost certainly know what their match bonuses are. I'm certain that they would have been aware. Whether they were aware to the extent that it was happening... But they would, they would have known. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that they weren't aware. Yeah, they knew. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so they owe the club one then, right? But I think the other thing... Uh, the, uh, there is they a were maybe of, assured that it was all There is a board. certain sense of indignation, not just within Saracens, but within the Gallagher Premiership at the moment. And there is a certain... And again, if Toby, if you're listening and others want to chip in with yeah, this one, but the one. way that I understand it, they are taking one for the team, as it were for the whole of the Premiership because you can't tell me that you've got players coming in to Bristol at the moment who are on a million pounds a season and they haven't got issues with their, with their wage bill at the moment. That's one player with your seven million pound cap and he's taken a seventh of the, of, of, of the club budget. And uh, uh, that's and, you know, I'm not casting any aspirations about mid-season uh, transfers and yeah. Jamie Roberts going down to South Africa and things like that but there are other clubs <laughs> looking over their shoulders at the moment going, we've got to get uh, is it is it a Lance Armstrong example where tip of the iceberg. he just cheated better than everybody else yeah. and therefore he was the one that yeah. was made to, to suffer yeah. for that fact? What a mucky, that's, mucky That's world why it is, this eh? independent review, that is why it's kind of been a sub note. <laughs> it's, it's been a little subplot to it all. At the same time, yes, Alison, you're down, but yeah, we're going to have one lord, his name escapes me, who's going to be in charge yeah. overseeing an independent review because clearly the numbers don't equate. If you want to so keep what? your best talent to play for England and stop France from getting them, you've got to raise that salary, you've got to rip it clear, you've got to do something because right now, because of France and the money that they've got, in order the, the way the rules are, if you want to keep your Farrells and the Tojis playing in the in the Premiership and, and playing for England, because they can earn double that, they can go and earn 1.5 mil, 2 million mm. down in France. There's 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 a disconnect, and they've got to look at that. So what happens then? What happens if others are guilty of it? What does it? If, if you've already announced your relegated team, you've already announced the one getting the most, but you can't. Do a double I think relegation. That's, what that's does now happen? the thing, isn't it? They're going to be relegated next year. So if, if, if this inquiry is, it's, it's everyone's on a warning yeah. now. Sort yeah. yourself out. Sort out your your finances. Sort out your books now, because we are not going to yes. stand for this. Yeah, oh, you don't want to be in that room where they're going through and chipping off salary packs from everybody. <laughs> to you. Yeah, can I have a word with you? Forty percent of the salary. Wait, you've been waiting for that call, and you're the last man in. You think? <laughs> Benji uh, is saying that we have to go to break. So let's go to a break. Benji, apologies. Uh, we will come back with more for you straight after that. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.